Exodus 33, if you want to grab a Bible and turn there. Exodus 33, 12. But before we jump in, for months now, we've been planning on starting a series on the goodness of God on this Sunday, the last Sunday of February 2022. The goal of this series was to train ourselves in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to saturate ourselves in the stories of old and the present realities of the goodness of God. And at the same time, I was going to share with you some stories from my own life where the goodness of God has shown up for me and my family. And then everything was fine until last Thursday when Russia invaded the Ukraine. Ukraine. Nothing so clearly depicts the sinful nature of humanity as war. War is horrible. The reality of war being a consistent part of human existence proves the Bible true about our hearts being desperately wicked. Think of that story when all those people were sitting in judgment over the woman caught in adultery and Jesus said to them, let him who has no sin cast the first stone. The Bible's very clear that we are all fallen short of the glory of God. All of our humanistic ideologies of our modern world have not solved any real problems. All the progress we have supposedly made continue to un continues to unravel when dependent on human effort. And with all our technological and postmodern awakening, we are still finding ourselves hating and fighting and killing just as much as ever before. We're basically building new towers of Babel, thinking they're gonna help us. But all they do is confuse us. So I debated over the last few days if we should change the plan or change the sermon topic or postpone talking about the goodness of God. And I chatted with Ryan and Mark, as I do about everything, and they both agreed that the goodness of God is exactly what we should be talking about right now. And I know the goodness of God, saying God is good, is something that Christians say a lot, and oftentimes it can feel very trite and small and insignificant and cliche, kind of like a jolly rancher. It's like the lowest of all candies, in my estimation. It's basically a cough drop that they call candy to trick kids. It's just totally worthless. But sometimes Christians can so throw around that phrase, God is good, just like a Jolly Rancher. And sometimes you're just like, that's the last thing I want to hear right now. I don't get it. You saying God is good means you don't really care or you're out of touch. And for us to come to a Sunday morning after what, you know, we've been watching in the news and all of that and sing about the goodness of God can really seem that way. And I got that. And I understand that and I feel that. But the question that came to me was, does the depravity of man negate the goodness of God? Not even close. Does the depravity of man disprove the goodness of God? Nope. As one person puts it, the shadow proves the sunshine. The fact that you see a shadow in front of you means that there's sun shining real bright somewhere. And so the goal of us as Christians is to take our eyes off the shadow and turn them to the sun. 
David echoes the same sentiment in Psalm 27, which we'll put up on the screen and read, read through together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamped against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of all this, I shall be confident. One thing have I asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle and secret place of his tent. He will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock, and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy, and I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me, and do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in the level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David basically is saying he is experiencing enemies camped around him, people coming to devour his flesh. He's experiencing that challenge, that, that discouragement, that, that despair of literally that is what's happening to him. And yet he says there's one thing that I will seek. There's one thing that I'm asking of the Lord is that I might get to gaze upon his beauty, that I might get to see the goodness of God. And then he finishes it saying, I would have despaired, I would have fainted, unless I believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I think this is, this is where we are. This is what we're trying to do. Whether it be the disruptions you're having in your own personal life, whether it be the shaking of 2020 and 2021, or whether it be the disruptions that are happening in our world or the breaking that's happening in 2022. Where do we do? Where do we look? Well, David would say it's time to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire of his temple. And I love that there's a joint statement that's come out of 10 seminaries in post-Soviet states. So in light of what's happening in Ukraine and the invasion of Russia, there's some seminaries that most of them are in the Ukraine, but there's some also in post-Soviet states. And they join together to kind of say, okay, well, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to say? How do we respond to this? And as, as a custom within Christian tradition, we constantly come up with confessions or creeds. And, and basically, you know, we have the Apostles' Creed. So when it comes down to what do we believe, what are we really w willing to die for in some ways, this is what it is. This is our creed. This is what unites us all together. And so these 10 seminaries came together and they said, well, let's come up with a confession that we can make in response to what's taking place right here in our neighborhood. And there's, a, there's, this, there's more to it, but I, I grabbed a few paragraphs from it that I thought were pertinent. And first one, it says, in light of Russia's full-scale attack on Ukraine, we consider it necessary to strongly condemn the open and unjustified aggression aimed at destroying the statehood and independence of Ukraine. 
And based on blatant lies from the lips of, president, of the president of the Russian Federation, Vladimir Putin, and the country's top leadership, we confess the real and unlimited power of God over all countries and continents, Amen. as well as over kings and rulers. Therefore, nothing in all creation can interfere with the fulfillment of the good and perfect will of God. And we together with the first Christians affirm Jesus is Lord and not Caesar. Amen. And we ask, that you to pray, ask you to pray for peace for the people of Ukraine and for courage and wisdom for Christian churches so that can, they will continue to serve those in need. And we pray for our authorities and put our hope in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is and remains our refuge and our fortress even in time of war. So we have this beautiful confession where these people facing the reality of human depravity and evil right there in their neighborhood, they're confessing to the good and perfect will of God. They're choosing to set their eyes and remind themselves of the goodness of God. And it's no Jolly Rancher. It's the rock that's weathered storm after storm after storm. And so, here's my message on the goodness of God. Ready for it? Okay. Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33 verse 12 tells us a story about Moses and God. In verse 12 it says, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, then teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And remember that this nation is your people. So the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. So here in this extremely important moment that we don't really hear about with Moses. Moses and God are having a conversation and Moses is kinda trying to have a little DTR with God. We'll define the relationship. And he's like, so God, I know you met me at this burning bush a little while ago it was our first time together. And you asked me to, to do something that I wasn't that into. But you convinced me and, and I went down to Egypt and I told them that this burning bush God called I am that I am wants you Pharaoh to let all the people go otherwise he's gonna destroy you. And Pharaoh laughed just like I laughed the first time I heard it. And yet over subsequent days, plague after plague clearly was an attack on the Egyptian gods to prove that you, this tiny little burning bush god, has authority over all of the gods of Egypt, including the Nile that turned to blood, including the sun that turned to darkness. 
And the whole point was you wanted me to go and take these people who are slaves and lead them to freedom and lead them to a promised land. And over time, I've realized that you're not just a tiny burning bush God named I am that I am, but you're actually a very powerful God who can destroy false gods that seem so powerful and also are super in love with this certain people and you care for them and you wanna set them free and take them to a good place and, and as they left Egypt and, and the enemies and Pharaoh's army came charging after them, you, you made a way for them across the sea and then used that water to destroy Pharaoh's army. And then as we were in this wilderness and, and we had no water, you made water come out of rocks and one time you made a whole bitter water pool turn to sweet water. And when we got hungry and didn't know what we were gonna eat, you provided manna and quail. You provided a cloud by day and a fire by night to guide us, keep us warm or keep us cool. And then you led us to this mountain. They're now at Mount Sinai which is on the way to the promised land. They're not in the promised land yet. They're in Mount Sinai, and all of a sudden, this burning bush God is now burning mountain God. The whole mountain's on fire, and God says to Moses, I want you to come up here. And so Moses has been up there for 40 days and 40 nights. That's all we know. And somewhere in that timeline, Moses has a conversation with God that's very different than all the conversations he's had before with God. Because basically what he's saying is God... I don't wanna go anywhere else if you're not going with me. A fascinating shift, he said, God, I don't even care about the promised land if you're not gonna be there. I just want you, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. And God says to him, Moses, I'm gonna go with you. And he's like, now God, if you don't go with us, it's, I, it's not gonna, and he's like, Moses, I'm going with you, I just told you that. And in some ways, it's almost like, Moses, what are you really getting at? And then what he's really getting at comes out. He says, God, I want to see you. Show me your glory. Basically, in the Hebrew, that's kabad. Or maybe chvachal or something. I don't know. It means substance. It means the weight. So show me your glory is, God, I want to see the substance of what you are. I don't want to just see a mountain on fire. I want to see you. I don't want to just see what you can do to Egyptian gods. I want to I see you. I want to know you. And I don't even care about a promised land anymore. I, I just want you. Will you show me your glory? And just as crazy as that question is, the, the answer is just as crazy. God says, yes. And don't ever miss this. Don't ever forget this. God says, I will show you all my goodness. The glory of the Lord is his goodness. The substance of the Lord is just goodness. God is good. Every Every ounce or moment that, of goodness that you've experienced in your life is not just a gift of God, it is actually Him showing up in your life. And we lucked out big time because what if the, the almighty creator of heaven and earth, His substance was not goodness, was like destruction? That would suck. 
But the revelation of God to Moses, the revelation of the God of the Bible, the true God above all others, the substance, what makes him so awesome is goodness. That's the substance of who he is. The reason that we know goodness at all is because he's the maker of everything we know. And just because there's wickedness in humanity, just because we add sin and evil to our world, it does not negate the goodness of God. Nothing can. It's who he is. So there's a few things that I want to just pull out of this for us today. The first one is that the promised land was not the goal anymore for Moses. It was God's presence, and I want to live that way. I want to live to know and enjoy God above all else, whether in peace or conflict, joy or sorrow. I want to care more about whether Jesus is with me than whether stuff he might be able to give me. And that's an important part of our relationship with God. We've got to get past just what he can do. He's not a genie living in some lamp. And if that's what your Christianity is about, it's not going to go well. You're going to be very disappointed. Yeah, how's that Jolly Rancher tasting? (laughs) The second thing is as Moses went where God told him to go, he discovered more about who God is. So Moses didn't know much about God. He just knew he liked to burn bushes. And then, it, and then God told him to go to Egypt, and then all of a sudden he learned a whole lot more about God. And then God said to take the people to the promised land, and on the way, he, everywhere he went, he learned so much more about who God is and what his goodness meant. So it's so important we go where God is telling us to go, whether that's go where you are or whether that's go somewhere else. And then the last thing is just don't ever forget that God is good. And though it seems like a Jolly Rancher, it's seriously a bowl of ice cream. Because that is the greatest of all desserts. That will sustain you forever. Ice cream is probably going to be in heaven. It's that good. It's like God, people, and ice cream are going to make it from here to there. Nothing else. Maybe duct tape. And I want to go where God is telling me to go so I can get the next revelation of what he wants to show me. And if that's staying put, I want to stay put. If it's going out, I want to go out. I want to keep chasing Jesus. And as far as his goodness goes, I want to be confident that God is good, even in the tumultuous land that I'm living in. I want to live as if God's goodness could show up at any time in any place. I want to be more convinced of God's goodness than whatever I'm fearing at the time. And I get that this is a dangerous way to live because God's goodness doesn't always feel good to me or seem good to me at any given moment. But as I said before, the wickedness of man does not negate the goodness of God. So with that being said, I have something to announce to you, my church family. Um, When the elders here asked me to sign up um, to be the lead pastor, to step into the lead pastor position, I told them I could do it for six years, no problem. And that was six years ago. It's actually been more than six years, a little bit more. And just as the Lord has done twice before, um, my family feels him leading us to go out on missions again. This last year, the elders and direction team and I have been trying to figure out what to do about all this. And I'm saying this today 
because we have come to a place of unity and excitement about it all. And even though this seems like a weird day to do it, we all think it's still right. It doesn't mean, um, even though we're excited and unified, it doesn't mean there won't be challenge and stretching. But if it's what Jesus is leading us into, then it will be good. And we don't want to miss that. So here's the plan. My family, Stockton Five, we will be spending the next school year, August through June, working with a small church in Ireland. I have Irish citizenship, by the way. It's weird, I know. Ryan Romeo will be working with the elders, the direction team, the teaching team, and our extremely capable staff to make sure Living Streams continues to put God's glory on display, build courageous people, and engage in society's pain here in Phoenix. It's going to be awesome. And then after the school year, my family will be back. <laughs> um, yeah, so just that everyone wanted me to make sure you heard that. So I won't be gone till August, so you got to deal with me next Sunday, sorry. And I'll be here all the way for the next five months. Then in August, we're going to go do a school year in Ireland, working with the small church, spreading God's word, and Strengthening churches, hopefully, and trying to stay somewhat dry. And then after that school year, we will be coming back to Phoenix, to Living Streams, all of that. Amen. Um, yeah. Yeah. The elders decided to have me retain the lead pastor position because of all of this. The elders asked me to use the first few months as a sabbatical, whether I like it or not. And the elders have all found themselves comfortable with Ryan leading the way and excited to see what Jesus do. And you can hear more about that in the congregational meeting we have right after this service. Little plug for that. Um, I'm not burned out. I'm not. It's not because I'm burned out. This is not because there's some scandal going on that you'll find about once, out about once I'm gone. <laughs> like every NCAA football team. Sorry. Shouldn't say that. I'm not bored or unhappy. I'm not. Um, just feel like the Lord's telling us to go again. Amen. And I'm hungry for the goodness of God. Amen. And my family told me very clearly that when we come back, they want me to work at Living Streams, which is, which is important because if they told me not to, guess what? I don't care about you guys that much. Like, what, well, I care more about them than, than you, and I always will. And if it's hard or weird or awkward for them, you've heard about pastor's kids, right? I don't want those. <laughs> but because of that, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, Living Streams. Because it's a rare and special thing that, that my family would feel that. You've not made it weird for my family. You have given them space and freedom to be who the Lord has made them to be and not what you think they should be. And I'm deeply, deeply grateful for that. And as I mentioned, my family has gone out on mission twice before. We've quit twice before at Living Streams. And yet we've been here for over 20 years, so we're not that flaky. And both times we were able to see the goodness of God in new and deep ways. I was going to share a whole message on that, but everything got changed and tweaked. But I'll give you a couple of little glimpses. So the word "klim" you need to remember, K-L-I-M. It's milk spelt backwards because it's a, it's, a, it's a powdered milk. 
um, that they sell in Belize, Central America. And uh, we, we knew what the Lord was asking us to do, so we moved to this village um, in, in Belize that has no running water and there's just not much going on. We didn't have a vehicle and the town's you know, basically two hours away where we can get groceries. But in, there, in that village, they had one little shop that sold about 10 things and one of them was Klim. And we had a one-year-old daughter at the time and felt feeling a little uneasy about our first you know, child, one-year-old, and we're taking her to this strange place, not sure what's gonna happen, but we feel like the Lord's leading us. And we had so much trouble with with, with her, um, with feeding her and kind of all this. It was, it was just a real difficult journey for us. Um, she was allergic to a lot of things. We tried every kind of milk thing you could get, everything that was like organic. It cost a billion dollars, cost no dollars. Like we tried everything and nothing worked at all. But it just so happened that this one milk powder that they sold in this one tiny village was perfect for her. She had no problems with it at all. And for my wife and I, we got to just enjoy the goodness of God in that moment. Not, count, not counting all of the other things and the relationships that have been formed. There's a church that's still been going after these last 15 years and the leaders that we're connected to and they've, you know, the guy that we worked with down there, he's preached right here and all of those things. Those are all awesome good things too. But just for my family, that was something really unique. And then six years later, we came back to Living Streams. We worked for another six years and then we went out again to a town called Dangriga. Didn't know anybody. Now I got three daughters and uh, we don't know anybody. We're the only white people for miles. And, uh, and the Lord planted us at this house that we kind of just found on a whim. But it just so happens that once we moved there, we found out that the neighbors had twin daughters that were basically the same age as our daughter, our oldest daughter. And then she became really good friends. And I didn't really put together how significant that was until we were sitting around our dining table just about a month ago when we were talking about what it's gonna be like going to Ireland. And, and for my girls, they're, they're leaning in, but they're also aware that it's costly and it's gonna be challenging. And my youngest daughter, for some reason, is like, man, we're gonna be living on the streets. Um, <laughs> she, just because we don't have a place to live or anything, it, it's just hard for her mind to process it. And so she's convinced we're living on the streets in Ireland. Lord, please don't let us live on the streets in Ireland. Um, but so she's processing this out. And my oldest daughter says to her, no, 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 Eva, come on. The Lord always has taken care of us. Everywhere we've gone, he's given us something really special. Amen. And I didn't know this, but my daughter's paying attention. And she's finding about the goodness of God as we go on these things too. And I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that at all. And she's telling my other daughter about the goodness of God. I right, come on. Um, so, anyways, just like Moses, we don't want to miss out on the goodness of God. We don't want to miss where he's sending us. We don't want to miss what he has for us. We don't want to miss a depth of relationship with him that we can find in this. And we don't want you guys to miss anything here either. I've spoken with Ryan and our direction team telling them that I can't wait to see all the Lord does over the next two years. I can picture us sitting around a table after all this time has passed and I'll get to tell them of the goodness of God my family got to experience and know by living in Ireland for 10 months or so. And then Mario, who's the, the pastor from Ecuador that we're bringing here this year to, to launch Living Streams in Spanish, he's gonna be able to share with us all of the, the goodness of God that has shown up in the Latino community here in Phoenix, Arizona. And we'll be smiling about that. 
And then Ryan and all of you guys at Living Streams will just kind of smile and say, oh, that's cute. And then you'll share the millions of ways God has shown up right here in this corner of Central and Glendale while we've been gone. And we'll just have a big goodness of God potluck. And we'll feast all together. So I know this is not normal. I've never been normal. And this could, this could be a bit wild, but if this is where God is leading, and the best I can tell it is, it's where the goodness of God is, and we want the goodness of God. So, like I said, communion. <laughs> um, if you want to grab your communion cup and peel away that clear top, get the bread out and peel the next thing. There's no better place to find the goodness of God than right here and remembering what he did for us. And Jesus, we do pause to remember you. We remember what you asked us to do. To take and eat in remembrance of you. And right in that moment of the cross, the, the full depravity and evil and wickedness of man was on display as you bled, as you gasped for air, as you were mocked and ridiculed, though you had never sinned. And yet at the same time, the goodness of God was greater. The love that you have for this world, for each one of us, was what held you to that cross. And we remember Jesus, and we thank you. We thank you that in the midst of such brokenness and agony, you offered your body to us so that we could be made whole, so that we could know healing and strength beyond ourselves. And so we remember your broken body and we, we pause in this moment and we ask that as we take this, Lord, you would fill us with your strength, you'd fill us with your healing. Lord, you'd continue to make us whole. Let's take the bread. And Jesus, remember that you also let your blood flow your perfect, sinless blood. You are tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. And you offer this blood as a cleansing, as a propitiation for us, so that we will never know the wrath of the Father, but only his love. And we drink deeply and ask, us, ask you to forgive us once again. Let's take the cup. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I do just thank you for our church family and I thank you for all the, the goodness we have experienced. And I pray that we would really just freely give as we've freely received. And that, Lord, you would take us further and deeper and you'd make us stronger so that we can serve people better, so we can be a brighter light, both in this town and around the world. 
Thank you for each person here, and I pray your blessing over them. In Jesus' name, amen.